Marvel Champions Monthly fan podcast team. We're back with another exciting episode of Marvel Champions Monthly, a podcast about the card game Marvel Champions. If I didn't say Marvel Champions enough in the first 30 seconds, then you should probably tune out now. So we've got a really exciting topic to cover today, but we don't have our usual four hosts here. It's me, Crimson, and then I've got two special guest hosts. So we have Banana Crapshoot. How's it going, Mr. Crapshoot? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. We're excited to have you here for an official episode this time. So I don't want to hear any more whining. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll stop sending you uh, PMs. And good, PM. good, good. I can, no I can unblock sliding. you. No more sliding from the banana. <laughs> and we have Andy. How's it going, Andy? Good. I'm doing great. Yep. And you didn't have a superhero nickname, right? If you were to make one up, do you have one you'd make up on the fly? Oh, gosh. On the fly. <laughs> Um, I could be, I could be that. I could be the wall fly. I can make that up on the, the fly. fly. The That's pretty fly. good. Yeah. Have a good slogan. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll, I'll think of the slogan as we go on. Okay. And you both are involved heavily in the Marvel Champions community. So do you want to tell us where you're from, uh, Mr. Crabsheet? Sure. I am one of the hosts of the Side Scheme podcast. Um. We haven't been podcasting as regularly as we'd like to right now. Um, Tommy, my co-host, has been having some real-life stuff and some like computer stuff and moving stuff happening, so it hasn't worked out to podcast as much as we'd like, but we also do articles and stuff, too. So It's not like there's a pandemic going on or anything. So. No. Mm. Completely unexcusable, yeah. Yeah. And Andy, you do a bunch of custom content. Can you tell us about your uh, favorite two creations you've been working on? Yeah, yeah, I do some custom content. Um, it's funny though; I don't know that I think of myself as like a custom content creator. I, I, I really, I did two custom heroes. I made a, a, a Daredevil and a Valkyrie. Um, but other than that, I'm just an enthusiastic community member. I love the Facebook group, and I always tell people, you know, even if you're playing solo, you're really never playing solo with Marvel Champions because you can always share with this wider online group you can always connect with them every game you play is sort of another thing you can bring to the to the online group so you're kind of cooperatively playing with this whole huge community and that's so just something i love and it's something that's made me just stay really involved with the community so i'm always commenting on uh, people's facebook posts and and uh interacting with those so that's kind of me that's really cool i feel bad uh wasting your time tonight because Nobody from Late Night Gaming is on the podcast today, but they're streaming on Friday nights at the same time we record, and they're actually playing your custom Daredevil right now. So really? Right now? Tomorrow, oh it'll God. be up on their YouTube channel, and you can go watch the recast of it, because someone randomly selected to play it on a stream. So, oh sorry, we took up the wrong day. No, that's awesome. That's exciting. I, I do love that. Daredevil is my favorite um, hero, uh, up there with Spider-Man. The two of them have, have been my kind of my go-tos, but... Uh, yeah, I was actually just listening to some of the older podcasts from before. I was just realizing how much you guys all know about Marvel and, and like the Marvel comics and, and everything. It was, it's amazing. And um, the Daredevil is really my like, touchstone into the Marvel universe. I, I used to be kind of the resident Marvel like hater among my group. Like, I would always say like I don't like the Avengers. And um, Daredevil was really the, the show, the Netflix show was the thing that started to get me more into Marvel. And then Ant-Man, the, the movie, got me more into it. 
end game kind of sold me. And then I kind of went back to the beginning and have gone through the MCU. And then the game has really got me more into starting to understand and look into the comics more. Yeah, the Daredevil, so good. That's exciting. Wow, thanks for letting me know that. Well, well, today's topic has nothing to do with Marvel Champions. We're going to talk about role-playing games. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> um, in you Marvel Champions, it. there's four aspects, right? We've got aggression, protection, justice, and leadership. And those aspects have very specific deck types within them, whether it's the buff-yourself leadership deck or the spam-all-the-allies leadership deck. And they kind of have roles that they naturally fill in the game, right? The aggression player likes to kill minions, likes to punch the villain. The protection player wants to defend every turn. The justice player wants to keep the schemes low and let other people do the attacking. And the leadership player wants to do everything because they think they're the best. Whether or not that's true can be debated. Uh What we're going to do today is talk about the rules in Marvel Champions through a different light. So we're each going to represent one aspect and present a deck in one of the four roles within Marvel Champions, but not the one that you're necessarily strong at. So we're going to look at a leadership deck who's trying to juggle minions and not try to handle fort and attack the villain or defend for all the players. We're going to talk about an aggression deck where threat management is the key. You're not focused on punching the villain. You might do it every once in a while, but you're going to keep that scheme really low. And that's going to free up the justice player to be our support control defense-like player, like make it so nobody has to defend and things like that. And finally, protection is going to be left having to actually deal damage to the villain because nobody else has grabbed that role up yet. So we'll do these role player episodes every once in a while. And we'll try to switch which aspect is doing which role, because I really think all four aspects can fill any of those roles, even though there's probably potentially further roles out there in the game right now. Mm. So you guys are ready for this. Everybody came prepared with the deck. Everybody yeah. did their homework. Even um, I'm do, do, doing it right now. Do, got it. Got it. Okay. Well, since, since the aggression player is doing it right now, I figured I'll go first and I'll tell you all about my leadership minion handler deck and why I think it's a good deck for handling minions. And then you guys can poke holes in it afterwards. <laughs> yep. So my role player deck for this month is a Black Widow deck, a minion handling deck. So I'm going to make it so when minions pop out of that villain deck, you never have to worry about them. I just get rid of them hopefully before your turn even happens and you can just go for the villain or go for the scheme. So I'll read through the deck really quick. Um, Obviously it's a leadership deck. There's seven allies. So it's got both copies of Hawkeye, both Clint and Kate, Heimdall, Nick Fury, Squirrel Girl, US Agent and Winter Soldier. I've got 10 events, two covert ops, two dance of death. I put in three copies of Inspiring Presence and three copies of Make the Call. So both very good events from leadership. Um, but you'll note the leadership curve is very cheap, right? Uh, inspiring presence only costs one. There's a handful of um, allies, and I guess you can use power of leadership with make the call, but it, it doesn't hit all your allies because you have some neutral ones. So mm-hmm. because of that, I didn't include power of leadership. I just took the three basic resources. For supports, I have a mansion because it's a mansion. I brought a Triskillian because I want to get a lot of allies out there and use the right ally at the right time. And then obviously Black Widow's safe house. For upgrades, I have all the Black Widow preps. So that's Attackrobatics, Grappling Hook, Widow's Bite. I've got Synth Suit and Black Widow's Gauntlets. And then I included one copy of Downtime and Endurance because I don't really trust this Justice Defense player. (laughs) Um, 
I brought three copies of Honorary Avenger because they're cheap and keep my allies out there a little bit longer for taking care of minions, and then three copies of Rapid Response. So the cost curve for this deck is actually fairly cheap. There's one five-cost card, three four-cost cards. I guess seven three-cost cards, which is kind of a bummer. But the rest of the deck is all two-cost and under, so you're looking at 29 cards costing two and under. So Black Widow should be able to play a ton of stuff. And this is how you're going to handle minions. So there's a ton of reasons that this deck is good for handling minions. And now I have to find my little notes on it. I wrote them somewhere. It's in one of these threads. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Too many. Okay, so a ton of ways that this deck handles minions. So obviously it's all going to be focused about using your allies to handle minions. But the reason I picked Black Widow is because she works really well with minions as well. Yeah, you have things like Widow's Bite, so when that minion pops out, you're going to be able to stun minions. You've also got your attack as Black Widow, Dance of Death. It's actually three separate attacks that do three, two, and one damage. So you can spread damage to the minions to get them to the right damage threshold that either your hero attack or an ally's attack can wipe the minion out. So you can, instead of you know having a big six-cost punch like Captain America, you're going to be able to spread damage to all the minions that are popping out. You've got Squirrel Girl in here, who obviously is just like the Ultron killer, right? You play her, kill all the drones, you let her die and use Make the Call to play her again, or you defend with her and then kill all the drones with Rapid Response. So she's just amazing at dealing AoE damage to the board, which again, that's another way you could use Dance of Death. Get three minions down to one health, play Squirrel Girl and laugh as they all die. I love doing that. Um, we've got US Agent as well to sort of do ping damage to these minions. He's again, like... When I think, how am I going to handle minions? I think about Mutagen Formula, and I think about Ultron. I should probably start thinking about Zola, but for some reason my mind doesn't go to that yet. But US Agent, Ultimate, Ultron Drone Killer. The Hawkeyes as well, right? So Clint's going to be able to throw damage out onto those allies as they're coming into play so that Squirrel Girl can kill them the next turn. If you ever have something um, that has a little bit of life left, you can use Kate Bishop to kill it without expending her so she's still around to attack a minion the next turn. One of the really cool ways to handle minions, and this isn't exclusive to leadership, it could be in all the decks, is Heimdall, right? When you play Heimdall after he enters play, you look at the top three cards of the encounter deck. You discard one and put the others back in any order. So if someone's about to deck out, you can make it so they don't get a minion as their encounter card draw. So you can just force less minions into the board. And if you use him with rapid response, you just do it turn after turn and like look at the top three cards in the encounter deck, throw away all the minions or make it so they're boost cards, and then only keep the treacheries. So even if you're not killing the minions, you can prevent them from coming out, which is really cool. Um, other things you can do, so Nick Fury, a lot of times he comes into play and draws cards. When I was practicing this deck, a lot of times, especially against Mutagen Formula, there's a ton of four health minions. I was actually using him for damage, um, and then recurring him with rapid response again. So he doesn't get to stay in play, but if you get two minions killed out of Nick Fury um, and an attack or a block then you're usually pretty happy so um but yeah that's it so it's a ton of minions using make the call and rapid response and all these um i said minions a ton of allies and the allies sort of take care of uh things for you and then you're just using black widow's ping damage from widow's bite dance of death and um i guess it's not widow's bite widow maker is her like hero ability where she pings when you tr trick a preparation so You've got a ton of preps. You're just going to try to spread damage to the minions and let somebody else handle damaging. 
I think it's I think it's brilliant. Um, I as soon as you started going through it, I was just like, oh yes, Black Widow is the perfect choice for this role. You know, because your job is right. Like you've got leadership. How do I make leadership? Knock out minions. I think you were exactly right to choose Black Widow with that so perfectly, especially rapid response, putting the back on the board. The fact that you can, you know, Winter Soldier, for example, can attack for two damage, be discarded because he's defeated, but then come right back on the board and then attack for another two damage. It's just amazing. Or Heimdall for three damage both of those times. I, I think you're exactly right to choose Black Widow. I think it's an amazing deck. I think it will get the job done. So I think you're holding up the team on that side of it. My only concern is the power of leadership. Running no copies of that is such a bold move. I, I love that card so much. And I always run two copies of Power of Leadership. It's the, it's the one Power of card that I just never even considered dropping. Just because I feel like there's so many good targets for it. But especially for Black Widow, because, because of her safe house, she can always grab another rapid response. So you're never not going to have a target to, to like maximize uh, the use of the power of leadership is, is my feeling. So that's my one concern for you. What do you think? You're probably right. So my cutoff on power of cards is I always want there to be more than seven cards it affects, right? If there's only seven cards in the deck, it's not enough for me. And there's four leadership allies and three rapid responses, but it also works with make the call and all of those leadership allies. So there's really like 10 cards it works with. And like you said, recurring rapid response means as you pass through your deck, especially if you can get safe house out, you're going to see a ton more cards for it. So I'd have to figure out what I'm going to cut. I'd probably cut the honorary Avengers because they're honestly not essential. <laughs> they're just yes, cheap yeah. and they get out of the way. So you could just replace those with power of leadership, but I don't think it would affect you negatively at all, really. All they're there for is to throw on US agents so you can defend more Ultron drones. Right? Mm, so. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the right call. Are there any other like leadership allies that you think make sense for like handling minions? Not really. I mean, the, I think you got it. Yeah, nailed them. Okay, I prepped the big the big ones are your Hawkeyes and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh. Well, and with well and with that too, I mean, that's where I think the power of leadership is even more helpful is because you are running, uh, Kate, um. If you can spend power of leadership to as a as you know a double resource card, but actual double resource cards for Kate, it kind of it kind of frees those up a little bit more to be used in that way. Yeah, you could use the double resources there instead. That totally makes yeah. sense. I felt bad not taking a Maria Hill. Um, <laughs> I almost brought like Black Knight or Goliath because all those claw minions and I guess a lot of the um, Zola minions have toughness and that can be a real pain for people running allies to handle the minions because you waste a whole activation on tough, which sucks. Um, and you need something to handle big minions like uh, Modok. So I didn't, I don't really have an answer to that other than, you know, take a lot of retaliate damage with Dance of Death. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm dull. I'm dull. If you're in a multiplayer setting, that's when you're hoping that the other, because most other heroes have a big damage spell. Where Black Widow, that is her one weakness, is she doesn't have a big damage spell that can't mm -hmm. be for three. 
Well, I'll be keeping minions off people, but let's move on to the next deck and talk about aggression threat management. So, Banana Crapshoot, how are you going to build an aggression deck that is all about damaging, but for some reason is about removing threat? Good luck. I'm going to start with <laughs> Miss Marvel because she is very flexible and versatile and she can bring those um, events back to hand and kind of cheat and play some thwart events twice uh, at a time. I'm sorry, I think you cut out there. Did you say Miss Marvel? Yeah. I must have heard Twice. it wrong. <laughs> yep. Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel is my my choice. Um so I'll go through the deck. Um start with the allies. I have six allies. Brawn, um, because he automatically removes threat after he attacks. Um Ironheart, uh card draw and cheap. Lockjaw, because he's the MVP. Uh, Spider Girl for some status effects, and the Miles Morales Spider Man ally. Because um, after you play him, you can give him plus two to his attacker thwart till the end of the phase. Um, events there's the three big hands. Three, chase them down. Uh, this is one that you can really kind of cheat with Miss Marvel. You can exhaust her, bring it back to your hand, and play it again right away to remove four threat after you uh, defeat an enemy. Mm -hmm. uh, two copies of Into the Fray that deals six damage to a minion, and for each point of excess, you remove a threat from a scheme. Two copies of Melee, two Moment of Triumphs, um, two Relentless Assaults, then the three copies of Sneak By, two Surprise Attacks, two Wiggle Rooms. Um, the General Resource Suite, Energy Genius Strength, two Power of Aggression. I didn't take any extra supports, um, and then for upgrades. I brought an endurance and a martial prowess. Um, so the idea is like uh, use into the fray to overkill something, remove threat, and then the other with the other stuff, uh, use chase them down um, and sneak by in conjunction with like a shrink to handle all that threat. That's what I got. What do you use? Um with Moment of Triumph to heal big. Are you looking at like an embig into big hands? Or is yeah. that with Into the Fray, I guess, it works too? It works with Into the Fray. It works with Relentless Assault um, or like big hands. And then like you embig in any of that, right? And it's even more damage. So um, just because her health is, is low, um, I just wanted to be able to heal and not have to recover as much, I guess. I, I guess that, that could also Stay in a hero form longer, maybe. And, um, you know, the villains adding less threat the, the more you're in hero form, I guess. Uh, it's like you said, like the recurring chase them down. And then that new card, the Into the Fray, is such a good card for Miss Marvel. I love it. Yeah, the one downside is you're, you are playing Miss Marvel, so you do want <laughs> to be switching back and forth between your alter ego to use your personality cards, which are really key, especially the one that allows you to put cards underneath them. I can't remember the card's name because, well, it's Miss Marvel. Amir. <laughs> um, and being able to get a, a large hand later could very be very helpful in oh, that instance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you still want to flip a lot, but I mean, playing aggression, you... I don't know. I like having healing cards available to me when I'm playing aggression, regardless of how much I'm flipping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree too. Did you say you brought two to the rescue in that deck? I missed part of the deck list. 
Um, I had it in like my first draft. Okay. Um, but I kind of felt like I had too much thwart in the deck at that time. Um, so I made room for I put surprise attack in instead, since it's only a one cost event that can deal four damage after she flips. That felt uh pretty bonkers to me. Yeah, I think that one feels better in that instance too. Seems really good. I liked yeah. uh trying lay and wait with uh into the fray. So you sort of play it and wait for the minion to come out, and when something comes out with four health, you can hit it so it goes down to like one hit point, right? So then you're into the fray is like thwart for five and kill a minion, which is just insane. <laughs> um yeah. I haven't I haven't played with it much yet because we're still waiting on Wasp in the in the the Americas over here. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I womp womp. Don't have that in any of my decks either. I would probably put it in some of my decks, but don't have it. Do yet. you think there's anything I should have in here that I don't for like an aggression deck handling threat? What were the allies you had again? Did you yeah, say that, my, that was my question too? I had Brawn, Ironheart, Lockjaw, Spider Girl, and Miles Morales, Spider Man. And Red Dagger, obviously. Mm. Seems like all the good ones. I mean, I'm tempted to put Heimdall in all these decks, right? Because you can search for an advance and remove it. That's just preventing threat. But, I mean, what are the chances? I mean, you're going to hit a minion like every other turn when you're revealing three cards. But there's only two advances. That's not going to pay off nearly as well. I think you, you got them all. Do you guys like Nick Fury with Miss Marvel? Mm. Or not so much? I mean, he's fine everywhere, right? I just yeah, yeah. I haven't been playing him as much. I mean, I try to keep my cost curve like as low as possible. Right. Um, he's just kind of expensive for how I am playing at the moment. And with Ironheart, you get this other option as a basic ally that draws you a card. I mean, Nick Fury draws you three, which is great, but he doesn't stick around. When you can, you know, ham him with leadership and make the call, I think he makes sense. But I don't know if he makes sense in like an aggression threat controlling deck i mean anything that's got two thwarts should be considered but yeah that's my only thought there but 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 you're right and that's where i'm also like i'm not straight recommending him but but yeah yeah i almost think war machine would be really good right he costs four and you get eight thwart out of him over his four activations or six thwart in a block because of his tough so i mean that's reasonable i guess he could take no, he's not taking Lockjaw's place. That's crazy. <laughs> no, that's insane. Lockjaw stays. And no warning, obviously. No. Or what is it? Emergency. Right that's the one that prevents a threat. Emergency. No. No one cares about that right now. No. Only if you're stuck in basic Iron Man. Mm. Makes sense. Did you consider any other heroes before you settled in on Miss Marvel for the aggression thwarting strategy here? Um Thor. Uh, was in consideration. Um, uh, Black Widow, I thought of. I th- the, my first thought was Ant Man because he can do everything right. Um, but I didn't want to take the easy out, and I figured Miss Marvel uh, was like the perfect hero. I think with him big in and into the fray, that's a really cool combo. I was thinking Thor as well because a lot of the aggression cards that remove threat depend on a minion being out there. So with mm-hmm. Thor, you've got that zero cost, summon a minion, and thwart. So your your thwarting potential just goes crazy if you're in a scenario that doesn't have a ton of minions. But I think Miss Marvel's pretty good bet. Yeah, and she's fun. So I think it works out. 
what I just learned is I don't have to kill all the minions. I can leave one alive for you so that you can still thwart. Yeah, so like I can melee, you know, chase them down and, you know, get rid of all the threat. Cool. Well, let's move on to another deck. Let's talk about how are we going to actually defeat the villain. So, Andy, you brought a protection deck that's all about taking it to the villain. So how did you make that work? Yeah, <clears throat> so I did take the easy way out. I went with Ant-Man. Um, <laughs> I did consider some other people before, but I uh, went with Ant-Man protection for this. And the main thought there was, like, gosh, I don't know if any hero can stay in hero form as as much as he can. Um, and the more that he's in hero form, the more that he can just be uh, dealing damage. And so I'll, I'll read through the deck list, and then, yeah, we can discuss so for allies, I have Brother Voodoo, got Clea, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Mockingbird, Nick Fury, and of course Wasp. So seven allies. For events, I've got two copies of Counterpunch, two copies of Desperate Defense, two copies of Giant Stomp, copy of Hive Mind, one copy of Muster Courage, two copies of Preemptive Strike, two copies of Resize, a copy of Swarm Tactics, Energy, Genius, Strength, the Pin Particles, uh, two copies of Power Protection. Those are all resources. For support, I've got the three armies of ants and then Night Nurse. And for upgrades, I've got Ant-Man's Helmet, one copy of Armored Vest, one copy of Electrostatic Armor, three copies of Energy Barrier, of course, two copies of Giant Strength, one copy of Unflappable, and one copy of Wrist Gauntlet. And so, again, the theory of the deck is stay in hero form and then let his... Let him kind of naturally deal damage. The, the more that he can survive in hero form, the more he's going to naturally be doing damage. So there is a lot of things in here that's actually meant to help keep him alive. So he's he's got, if he wants to, he can set up a whole suite of kind of personal defensive measures with like the armored vest and unflappable and so on. Electrostatic armor, if he gets that out and if he's defending, he can be pinging damage back. Um, but if he uses Desperate Defense, he can... The reason that that's in the deck is that that actually allows him to defend, to be able to absorb damage, and uh, stay in hero form, but it will ready him uh, if he can just you know absorb all the damage. And so he's still ready to attack the next turn. Um, Counterpunch is in there. So again, when he's defending in, in uh, giant form, I think he has both three... Def three defense and three attack right um yeah yeah so he's kind of he's heavily incentivized to both to defend but the counter punch turns that into a big attack um the the muster courage is just one copy in there but again like just put tough on a bunch of people and um and really help him stay in hero form he really she has no right going back to uh to scott lang form at all with all this stuff in there night nurse yes it's healing him to help him stay in hero form but more importantly it's um taking stun off of him 
or off of his buddies. Um, so, you know, if, if he, if he uh, takes off a stun off of Miss Marvel, then she's free to, you know, to do a, a big hit with, you know, with big hands or something. Um, so Night Nurse is kind of a, an, an, an offensive tool in that way. Of course, Energy Barrier is, is like the perfect card for both helping him stay in hero form by absorbing damage, but also sending it back. And same with Preemptive Strike. Um, and yeah, I mean, Luke Cage punches hard. He punches for eight, eight damage over the course of his life. And he's going to help you stay in hero form. And then likewise, Iron Fist can, you know, take a big block and then just be pumping out, is it 10 damage over the course of, of his life? Um, Clea and Brother Voodoo are mainly just there to, to, you know, come into play cheaply, you know, do one ping of damage or, or, or a little bit of threat removal and then take the, take the hit. So that they, so that, again, you can stay in, in hero form. Um, the big thing, I guess, that's interestingly missing from this deck is there's there's no Avengers Mansion, there's no Helicarrier, there's not even a Quinn Carrier, which I was really on the edge about maybe putting that in there. Um, but I just don't think he needs it. I think the cost curve is is not too bad. Power of Protection is gonna, I think, just often have a good target for it, and. Um, and yeah, I just don't, I just don't think he needs to, to ramp up. He kind of like is going immediately. Like he can, he can kind of just turn, turn one, be moving into hero form and then staying in hero form and, and doing his thing. And then eventually, of course, every time he's switching back and forth, he's going to be dealing damage with the, the, um, uh, whatever the giant form, uh, trigger is. Uh, he's going to be attacking with his big hits with, with giant, in giant form, and then of course, giant stomp uh, to just do big old hits of eight damage on the on the villain. So that's my theory. What do you guys think? I like it. So the the general idea is stay in hero form as long as you can and mitigate having to defend. So you've got some defending things in here like desperate defense and counterpunch, but when you do that, you get to ready. But for the most part, I, I really like the inclusion of Muster Courage. When I saw it in the list, I was like, this is silly. This doesn't help him attack. But by putting tough on yourself, that means you're free to attack next turn and you don't have to defend. So that's like a genius way to use protection to push out more damage. Just pick out like a, a high attack hero and then use that tough so that you never have to worry about defending. Yep, that's the yeah. theory. It's a sound strategy, and I, I agree. I like it, but can you guys imagine... Imagine with me, if you will, if um, what's the upgrade Ant Man has? It gives him plus one attack when he flips. Giant uh, strike. Right. If that lasted yeah. like for the round instead of just the turn, mm. counter punch for like five, that'd be gross. <laughs> that'd be amazing. Might Mitch. be why it doesn't last <laughs> yeah. until the end of that's the why, round. Probably. Yeah. That's why. Imagine with me. Man. Well, you know what? Um, I mean, he can't do this all by himself, but if someone else did like a toe-to-toe, mm, he could defend for them. Oh, it, it would take some work, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's one instance where actually it could work, is uh, someone plays toe-to-toe. He, you, you have already, I've already flipped into um, giant form on my turn and uh, pumped up with giant strength. 
I defend for you and I just counter punch. Um, uh, yeah, it's that still doesn't it, work though because it's it only lasts for your turn. So if your turn's over, oh dang, no, but someone you, could toe to toe on your turn, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, if you call for an action, yeah, that is true. Now, then again, as I say this though, uh, unless you have desperate defense as well in that whole shenanigans, you're not necessarily like you would have been able to attack and a giant uh, Ant-Man could have attacked anyways. And instead he was defending. So yeah. So I think in some ways, yeah, it, it'd be hard to pull off that actually working um, effectively, but yes, that's, that's a great. Um, it sounds like a really fun six card, two player. Combo. <laughs> yes, it exactly. might give you the same damage as just an attack. So I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Magical Christmas Land. We need to make this happen. Absolutely. Does, it, does anybody else feel like calling for an action sometimes just feels a little McChitty? Not if I'm stealing someone's helicarrier, no. Yeah. <laughs> you say, does it feel like what? Outside of that, it feels a little McChitty. Because, like, I could set up so many different combos and break cards in ways that they shouldn't be broken by the calling for an action. In some ways, I feel like calling for an action should be relegated to helicarriers, uh, resource actions, but... Sounds like Crimson needs to play expert mode. That's what I just... (laughs) Or heroic. (laughs) Just saying. I'm just saying. It feels a little... feels a little scuff. Man, I love it. I love it. I'm I'm like the biggest fan of off-turn actions. I'm the biggest fan. Um, yeah. In fact, actually, if if someone did like know me from doing something in the community, I, I did make that one off-turn actions like how-to um, video. Um, that, but I just love it. It's it's if that's like my one of my favorite parts of the game is is like the shenanigans that you can do with that. Maybe it feels like cheating, but to yeah, me, it's just like it next level like- play. Feels a little McCheedy, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, you you do use cards in absurd ways, but I, to me, like that's so much more fun than finding even like a uh, like a broken combo like within a deck. If that makes sense, I, I love the idea that two different decks have to both have these certain cards and have the situation come up, and then and it just works and it feels very cooperative to me. So that's yeah, yeah. I guess that's why it's there too. Plus. You know, Avengers Mansion and Helicarrier. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna say it's an advantage that leadership doesn't have, but then I remembered make the call Maria Hill is like everyone's favorite card combo. <laughs> yeah. Yes, turn, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will also say, like, uh, I like your brother Voodoo uh, include. He's not really pushing the um, offensive game plan too much, but his response is just so good that um, it's worth having. Yeah, he was a late add. It, it's it's forty one cards. Um, he was the forty first card. And in fact, I think when I sent the the list over to to Dan, I, uh, it was only it was it was without Brother Voodoo. But yeah, after that, I realized, well, wait, he's he's just such good value too. And and in fact, I, actually, he's like just as good as Clea or better in a lot of instances because he's really even if you just so actually that that was one of my notes because he has no resource generators. In that many proactive events, but but that's fine. Like it still means that he's a cheap ally that you get out, and he can do one thing and then block for you. Last comment for me: I really like the Clea preemptive strike combo, right? Because you, especially in multiplayer, you now need to be the defender to play preemptive strike, which means you're exhausting to absorb someone else's attack if it's someone else's boost card you're going to cancel. 
But Cleo lets you do that, and you don't even care if she dies from the villain's base damage because she's just coming back anyway. So it's like a low-cost way to sneak damage in with preemptive strike, which is cool. Nice. I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. That's a great way to do that. Also, I'll say one more thing. Something uh, about the deck. I've, I've never played Ant-Man where, where he felt like he had... Um, like all the right energy and physical resources when he needed them to trigger uh, risk gauntlets for the stun and confuse, which doesn't really play into his like role here of, you know, taking down the villain directly. But um, I was just noticing that like it, oftentimes I don't necessarily play risk gauntlets when I get it, but I would definitely suggest doing that with this deck. Cause he just, uh, you know, very often it'd be like, Oh, I didn't use the desperate defense that turn. Well, I can use desperate defense and you know and uh, preemptive strike to trigger risk gauntlets, or I can use a counter punch and muster courage to trigger risk gauntlets um, for the physical resources. Um, so yeah, that's just just something about just something about the the distribution. It was kind of nice not having a ton of mental resources, I guess. Yeah, pretty low on mentals. So that's pretty convenient. Yeah. And those I get, I play. Well, thankfully, our protection player brought Muster Courage in some ways to defend, even though he's going for the villain's face. Because our last deck is the justice, support, control, defend for everybody kind of uh, role. It's, it's the catch-all. Make it so we don't have to worry about the villain. So, Crimson, how are you going to use justice to do that? I mean, that's kind of what justice does to begin with. Um <laughs> You know, a, a lot of things like, so first off, when you say control, I'm always, the first thing that comes to my mind is always going to be threat management. Because if you control the threat, you control the timing of the game. Um, so, yes, I could have gone all these, you know, confused, stun type things. Um, instead, I brought a hero that takes care of some of that. And I brought... Uh, Doctor Strange. And it does feel a little cheaty because Doctor Strange is the best hero in the game, hands down. But, so my goal with this was to try to cycle through the deck as fast as possible, get some of these control aspect cards, like um, Crimson Bands, uh, the Seven Rings, and even get into Vapors and changing status tokens. Um, so a lot of his control comes from his uh, side deck, obviously. Um, so what I looked at first is I went a little heavy ally, because when I'm thinking of multiplayer control, I'm always thinking of allies, because they control damage, they control where things happen. Um, so started with my, my natural Nick Fury Mockingbird, Mockingbird for the stun, Nick Fury for either threat or card draw. And sometimes the, the four damage is not bad either to take out a minion. Then since I'm playing justice, I naturally want to throw in a Colston because it allows me to play a, uh, preparation card and be able to recur that preparation card. So I did counter. I put two counterintelligence into the deck for some threat control there, and then for the other allies, it's kind of more. So I'm using an ally I don't normally use, which is the Peter Parker Spider-Man, um, for 
Now, he's expensive. Don't get me wrong. He is expensive, but Doctor Strange... Doctor Strange doesn't generally have issues with cards in hand or being able to pay for stuff. Um, the 2-2 two, two on attack with the 4 health is, is quite huge. That gives you the opportunity to work on a minion or work on a scheme. He straight up gets rid of a side scheme pretty much when he comes into play. Um, he, he is an excellent ally, but he's just so expensive. You cannot play him in every Justice deck because not every, like a She-Hulk or a Hulk Justice deck, just can't get him out into play. He costs too much. Um, but Doctor Strange doesn't have that same issue that some of the other ones do. Um, because I wanted more allies, I did throw in the Daredevil, which allows me to take care of some of the side schemes. I really did focus a little bit more on side schemes than the main scheme, mainly because side schemes are what are going to impair the team the most with either having those uh, crisis icons or having those acceleration tokens or hazard token or hazard icons. So I really did really want to focus on the side schemes a little bit more, make sure those are taken care of, allows my team to get towards the villain a lot easier. And then I went with Quake because I wanted a, a cheaper ally other than just Mockingbird, who's three, and Colson, who's three. Quake is nice because of the cheap cost and the ability to control a little bit of minion stuff. Um, naturally, I went with my normal resource package, which is the three doubles, the two power ofs, and power ofs really do work in here because you have Spider-Man, you have some beat cops, so you definitely have stuff that costs more than, you know, three or more. Um, and I always put a Quinn Carrier in. Uh, you can easily change this to a Helicarrier if you're worried about multiplayer uniqueness. Uh, I just prefer Quinn Carrier, but in this instance, a Helicarrier may be better because it would allow you to tap it for a, fr a friend versus being a little greedy, which Quinn Carrier is more greedy because it can only be used for you. Um, one of the things that I, I like to always add in with uh, heroes that have 10 hit points is one endurance. Just getting that extra three hit points gives you a little bit of wiggle room that you normally don't get. And since we are playing Doctor Strange, um, an auto include for me is the Sorcerer Supreme because having the plus one hand size means being able to do more actions and, and pay for more cards. Now, for the threat package, um, I had a tough time. I, I was really thinking about going with Shore Strike. Um, I've never been a fan of it, but if I was going to put it in any deck, it would be this deck, and I chose not to put it in, in this deck. Um, what I decided instead of the Shore Strikes was to add the two B-Cops. Um, in my opinion, B-Cops are going to remove some damage or remove some threat from some side schemes, finish them off, and be able to pop them to take out you know, some bigger minions. A uh, good example is, you know, sometimes that Nemesis minion has six or seven hit points and you just don't have enough to kill it in one turn. This allows you to just straight up help another teammate take out their Nemesis right away um, or at least put enough damage on them for them to take it out. Uh, at Again, I'm running the two counter intelligences just because I am running the Colston. Let's me recur those. I put one under surveillance in here. Um, the reason why I put this one in, and and so what I did was I took out the sure strikes and I put in the two B cops and the one under surveillance. 
Um, and the reason why I wanted to go with the under surveillance is because of the fact that I really wanted to focus on making the game last longer. So that way my teammates, because I really set this up for multiplayer, um, allow my teammates to get into a better position to finish the villain. This deck does not have a lot of damage in it. So I'm really reliant on my teammates finishing the villain while this deck is all about just messing with the villain, messing with the board state of the villain and allowing my teammates to get to that position. Now, with Doctor Strange, one of the things I really want to do with Doctor Strange is draw as many cards as possible. Because every time you draw, you get a chance to get... Yeah, let's be honest. You really want that cloak, and you want Wong um, to be able to cycle through that Inventions deck or uh, whatever, the Invocation deck, to get to the cards you need. Um, so I threw in three Clear the Areas. Because again, it's nice to take out little side schemes. You get a draw card if you remove the last threat. Um, and it's cheap. It's it's really nice to have a cheap thwart removal card that also draws you a card. And I also put in two skilled investigators. This is slowly becoming one of my favorite cards in the game. Because this deck is really looking at those side schemes, having two of them in the deck allows you to play one on you and you can play one on on your teammate, and every time you take out a side scheme, you, you guys are drawing cards. Uh, this allows you to cycle through the deck a little bit faster, and you're not so much worried about, you know, the threat at this point. And this is where why Doctor Strange becomes one of the best heroes in the game, is he comes with, in his package, his 15 package is just, it, it is a stacked pack. Um, you get the interrupt to, to cancel just straight up cancel a treachery card, which will save your team more times than you can ever imagine. You get a tutor, a card that lets you search for any other uh, Doctor Strange card. It's it's broken good. Um, if you ever, if you do have to go to Stephen Strange's side, his location is extremely helpful in getting your spells back, like Protective Ward or. Uh, Mystical, Master of Mystical Arts. Um, the, the other thing that I really looked at on this was I wanted Magic Blast to not just be a throwaway card in this deck because it's pretty much your only real damage burst card. Um, so this deck is primarily lightning, but it has quite a bit of physical and uh, mental, and it only has two cards that have a wild card symbol on them, which is the two power of justice cards. So you're, you're, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of wild cards, so you're not going to get the do of all the above. But the fact that you can either get a little extra damage out of this, which is going to be what normally happens. Sometimes you will confuse the enemy, but a good amount, of, you will get a stun. So the magical blast is really just a great card to have. Um, again, it's, it, it is the random element of the deck that, you know, and I really dislike random stuff. Um, magical enhancements, 90% of the time, you're going to put this on your, uh, on your teammate. You're probably never going to want to use this on yourself because you're going to be tapping Dr. Strange to be able to play your invocation cards. Um, and with astral projection, you have another thwarty another way to thwart. So if they're, you know, if a 
big side scheme comes out that has like seven or eight on it, um, you can still take care of just about anything you need to take care of. Um, when playing the deck, a lot of times you will be throwing the the thwart cards away to pay for your setup stuff, like mansion, uh, some of your allies. But towards the after you've reshuffled the deck once, you're really going to see those those um, thwart cards come up a lot, and you're going to control the villain so much that your your teammate will be able to do the damage that you need him to do. Um, I did make two decks. This is one deck. The other deck I did make was kind of a, a, a cheat, and if we have time, I'd be more than happy to talk about that one too. Well, let's hit this first one first. I think it's a pretty cool deck. So your theory is, you know, use Doctor Strange's invocations to stun, maybe use his Magic Blast to stun and do a little bit of damage, and um, use, you know, some status card manipulation to cancel as many villain attacks as you can. You've got Strange's inherent, like, cancel a treachery card ability to cancel any, like, extra attacks and things like that. And you can throw tough on everybody, which is another great way to make it so everybody doesn't have to defend. So you're freeing everybody up, which is cool. And by having a more round um, resource icon pool, um, it also allows this deck to really take care of those attachments that villains we're seeing a lot more of on villains, like discard one of each uh, resource to remove this attachment or discard two lightning or two physical. This deck can really work on those where your your teammate can kind of relax and not have to worry about losing their hand because A, Doctor Strange does draw a ton of cards. And B, you have the ability, you're never going to be like, oh, I don't have any physical resources in the deck. Like, you have a good amount of each resource to be able to pitch for getting rid of those attachments. I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of people think about that. That's smart. I like that you weren't, um, you're not going to be precious about your allies. Like, you're not running anything to, like, put on them or heal them. So I'm, I'm guessing you could use them and lose them and see them again, right? The goal is to use them and lose them and just treat them like they're fodder as much as possible. Colson is such good fodder. He's such good value. Oh my gosh. Yeah, one cool way that Justice can make it so be like the supporty role is you don't even necessarily defend for everybody else. You just let them soak attacks and then you confuse the villain so they don't have to feel bad about jumping to alter ego form and healing up. So might this be the wimpy way of defending, but it sounds like the Justice way of defending. This is, unfortunately, it's very hard to do a lot of defense with uh, Justice. This is one reason why I'm running so many allies, too, is to be able to defend that way. Um, second deck, I focused more on defense, healing, and other things. But I cheated by <laughs> playing Spider-Woman. Um, Justice really doesn't like to defend in, in, in the traditional manners. Why don't you go through the Spider-Woman deck really quick or give us the 60-second the pitch on that one. Yeah, so I, I won't go through the uh, the package. You guys all know the Spider-Woman package. It's amazing. Um, for her, I went with a very low amount of allies. So I went with Coulson um, and predominantly to get the Spycraft because Spider-Woman is a spy. Uh, spycraft is really good in her deck since I, I, I need to be able... 
when I when I play control, I want to be able to counterspell because I'm a magic player. I'm a blue magic player. I need my counterspells in one way, shape, or form. Um, I also still went with the quake um, allows a cheap defender and also some minion control. I went with uh, Clea because again, I wanted with Spider Woman. You want cheap um, aspect cards. That's her big thing. Get cheap aspect cards that way you can you know, big numbers. Um, so Clea is just a, a great include, a great just block, take damage. And then I went with the Black Widow um, protection character because, again, it gives me another way to counter a, a Shadows of the Past or something that is major that is going to just destroy us. For the protection aspect, I went with the defensive stances because they're a preparation that I can play on turn increase Spider-Woman's stats, and then still, you know, block during the, you know, um, villain phase, and then soak up that damage to so that way I can get another one down. Um, and I went with Momentum Shift to be able to heal damage off of Spider-Woman and, and move it to enemies. And both of those are two costs, so they, they were in my range of costs that I wanted to pay. I didn't want to play anything that costs three. If I could avoid it, other than the two allies, Spider, uh, Black Widow, and Coulson. And then I went with Night Nurse because, well, it's cheap, it heals, and it removes status cards. And I feel that when you're having to deal with the utility of it, Night Nurse is just an incredible card. Uh, the other Justice cards that I went with was Clear the Area for a little bit of threat. This does not have the same amount of threat management that a normal justice deck does this this has a little bit more spider woman is a little bit harder of a deck to play always uh, but clear the areas are great they allow you to get that draw and i did go with my resource package of the plus twos avengers mansion quinn carrier and a hell carrier in this one and i went with an endurance because i needed to to put seven basic cards in uh, if you notice, there's no Nick Fury, no Mockingbird. Um, you could switch the Endurance for a Mockingbird if you want to. I wanted the extra health for the momentum shift, so that way I didn't feel like I was on a tightrope when I did take damage. And so the, the goal... Oh, and I went with two skilled investigators. Again, to put a card down that costs nothing, gives her plus one, plus one, and allows you to put it on on your teammate and allows card drawing. I think Skilled Investigator is a, a valuable card in Spider-Woman because of the zero cost draw. No beat cops, no super expensive cards. Um, you'll be doing a lot of control with her pheromones and her containment immunity, which gives you stuff and the tough and heals damage and pheromones, you know, confuses and stuns. I like them. I like them both. I think they're both different, but both do the the job fairly well from the cards you have in there. Yeah, I got really lucky and got justice, so I'm like, I'm pretty good with justice decks. I was going to say, you are poking fun at calling actions feeling McCheedy, but you use Doctor Strange and then protection cards as a justice aspect. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, everything is a justice aspect when, when I play it. 
Yeah, I love, it. I love it. Doctor Strange is such a good choice, and uh, and the Spider Woman deck feels like it'd be probably more fun, but less reliable, of course. Um, but everything's less reliable than Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, the, the Spider Woman is definitely, you know, a harder deck to pilot, mm-hmm. but I think you can have more fun moments with it. Versus the Doctor Strange is more, hey, this is what I'm here to do. I I need a teammate that can do this. Yeah. Well, this will be cool. We're going to try to arrange at some point a four-player game using these four decks. I guess five decks. We'll make it four. Um, So when we do that, we'll be sure to post it on YouTube so people can see how either successful we are or failed we are with our our awesome role-player decks. I feel good about it. I think that's a great lineup of decks. I mean, we we did choose strong heroes consistently, but like, I think we I think that the the roles that we're each playing, um, were were very diametric in many cases to what the to what the uh, this the um, aspect is about. So, I think that for that challenge, I think it's I'm surprised how. How strong I feel about this. I'd, I'd take down any villain with these four. Got it. Heroic three claw. Here we come. Okay. <laughs> Not quite that. Coming for Not you, Kang. With Argonauts, right? Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe Kang would be a good test because we'll have to survive on our own a little bit and then still come back together. So we'll arrange that and it'll be great. Well, thanks for coming on, Andy and Banana. This was really good. Sorry we... uh Threw this at you both last minute-ish. That was so fun. It's fun. I'm always available to to help out. Always available, no matter what time. That's Banana's <laughs> slogan right there. Send him messages yep. in the middle of the night. He doesn't care. Nope. I'll look at him. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is, this is the blast. Sweet. Well, that's all we have this week for Marvel Champions Monthly. We'll be back again in two weeks talking about Ant-Man and hopefully the Wasp, assuming we all get Wasp packs. So we were... I think in November we said, yeah, we're going to do this awesome Ant-Man and the Wasp team-up episode. And then uh, half of the team-up didn't show up yet. So we're soon, soon.